Well, I wonder this morning um, <clears throat> how you might answer this question that is on the screen before you. What is the purpose of life? Now, there have been some very interesting answers to this question. For example, uh, one person answered in this way, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. That's really helpful, isn't it? That's what you call answering a question without giving an answer. I mean, that's saying something without saying anything, isn't it? Because we still have the question, what's a life of purpose? And then here's another answer that's been given to this question. Uh, the purpose of our lives is to be happy. You won't believe who said this. This was said by the Dalai Lama, who is the spiritual leader of Tibetan Buddhism. And you would think he could do a whole lot better than that, wouldn't you think? I think the clearest, most succinct answer that I know to this question comes from Jesus. And Jesus said this in John 15 and verse 8. Would you read it with me together this morning? Let's read it together. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now that is very clear. The ultimate goal of life is to glorify God. And then this tells us how. We glorify God when we live <clears throat> a fruitful life. And then Jesus says this is what he is looking for because this is the essence of discipleship. It is what following Jesus is all about. I think this is the best answer you could find to this question. What is the purpose of life? Now, if we wanted to learn about living a fruitful life, where would we go in the Bible? Well, one good place to go would be the life of Joseph. At the end of Genesis, Jacob blesses all 12 of his sons. And when he gets to Joseph, the very first thing he says about him was that he was fruitful. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 49 for a moment together with me. In the chair Bible in front of you, it is page 51. And I want you to look with me as Jacob gets down to blessing Joseph. He says in verse 22, and please follow along with these very important words. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a spring, his branches run over the wall. This has really been the outstanding feature of Joseph's life through the entire story of Joseph. In fact, you could take this word fruitful and you could put it above Joseph's life as a title of his entire life. He lived a fruitful life. Now today, I'm beginning a series of messages in the life of Joseph. And I'm entitling this series, Joseph Living a Fruitful Life. 
And rather than start at the beginning in Genesis 37, I'd like to start here towards the end with this blessing of Jacob on Joseph towards the end of his story. Because this summary of Joseph's life answers this question, what is a fruitful life? This morning as we prepare to look together at what God's Word says, let's take a moment, shall we, and bow together in prayer. I think every one of us today at the end of our lives would want to say we lived a way that was fruitful. We lived in a way that made a difference. And Joseph teaches us how to do that. So let's pray. Father, Jesus is very clear. The way we glorify God is by bearing much fruit. And this is the essence of discipleship. It is what it means to be a Christ follower. Thank you that on the pages of Scripture, the life of Joseph shines forth as someone who was very fruitful. And we pray as we look at his life uh, that we will have a yearning to walk with the God of heaven in the way that Joseph did so that our lives might indeed be fruitful. We love you this morning for all that you have for us. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we open up this blessing on Joseph by his father, here's the first thing we learn about a fruitful life. A fruitful life is living the abundant life that Jesus promised believers. Now look again at this verse. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. You remember that Jesus said these words in John 10.10, I came that they might have life, and they might have it abundantly. Now, when Jesus talked about a life that is abundant, it is a word that means to the full, Till it overflows. And that really is what we have pictured here as uh, Jacob is describing his most illustrious son, Joseph. Uh, Look at this uh, fruitful vine. Uh, One Bible student has described it in this way. A well-watered vine that is so healthy and fruit-laden that its branches hang low over garden walls, offering its fruit to all who pass by. That's the imagery here. That's what is said about the way that Joseph lived. Think about this. Joseph was living the abundant life that Jesus promised long before Jesus promised it to you and to me. What an incredible thing this is. Now, what's involved in this abundant life? Well, there's a a Bible teacher by the name of Derek Kidner, and he wrote a number of books on the Old Testament. And I want you to understand how he describes what's involved in this fruitful vine with its branches hanging down over a wall so that its fruit is available to all who walk by. This is what he said, a well-watered, far-spreading fruit tree pictures Joseph's depth of character and width of influence. Two things are involved. 
depth of character and width of influence. It's a life that is deep and then a life that is wide. Let's look at uh, those two aspects. First of all, a fruitful life is a life that develops deep character. The New Testament describes this as the fruit of the Spirit. Read with me Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let's read what the fruit of the Spirit is, alright? Join me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Do you know the number one priority of the Holy Spirit is to produce this kind of character in our lives? That is His number one priority. It's the one thing that He, when He comes into our lives, wants to create out of us. Now, don't we see this in the story of Joseph? When his brothers hated him, he continued to love them. When Potiphar, who was the minister of defense in Egypt, trusted him to manage his entire household, Joseph proved faithful. When Potiphar's wife tempted him to sin, Joseph showed kindness to Potiphar, her husband, goodness to Potiphar's wife, and self-control in himself as he resisted that temptation. When he was forgotten in prison for two years, he continued to have an amazing, amazing peace. In fact, you know, he became such a model of goodness that he became the jail keeper, didn't he? And Joseph was patient. Patient while God's plans dragged on for years and years and years without being fulfilled. See, what Joseph reveals to us is that a fruitful life is a life of deep character. The second thing is, a fruitful life is a life of wide influence, wide influence. Just as the grapevine that we saw spreading out produces fruit for others, so when you are with fruitful people, they draw you to a higher level of living. You know that you are around somebody who is a fruitful Christian because they draw you up to a higher level of Christian living. What do we know that Joseph did? He saved 70 members of his family from starvation. He became the prime minister of the greatest country on earth at the time, Egypt. His influence over his brothers ultimately was so great that they came and said, Would you forgive us for what we did to you? He became a man of wide influence. In my first church, I had a, a pastor, a retired pastor, who was a mentor to me. 
His name was Gordon Sanders, and he is now in heaven with the Lord, and he had a tremendous influence upon my life. He's one of those people that was a fruitful bough, and he lifted me higher than I would have been without him. There were some things he said that I've never forgotten. They registered in my mind, and uh, as I thought about this message, those things have come back to me. Let me share them with you. Gordon would often say, being precedes doing. He would say, we are not human doings. We are human beings. And we often forget that, don't we? We often think that it's what we do for God that's important. Now, don't misunderstand me. What we do for God is important. But if we don't understand that we are human beings before we are human doings, we may very easily neglect our inner life may easily begin to say, I don't have time to work on the character in my life. The fruit of the Spirit, that can wait. I'm busy with other things. That is a serious, serious mistake. A very serious mistake. Pastor Sanders would also say this, what God does in us, is more important than what God does through us. What God does in us is more important than what God does through us. Why is that true? Why is that true? Because what God does through us will always be determined by what God does in us. That will always be the case. And so if we reverse these two, and we decide, I want to be a person of wide influence, but I'm going to neglect the depth of my character, eventually that will show itself, and God will not be able to do through us what He wants to accomplish. You see, what we learn from the life of Joseph is this, because he had depth of character, That became the basis for his wide influence. And that is what God is calling us to as well. Let's continue on here. As we look at this description of Joseph, secondly, we learn this. A fruitful life is a life made adequate for the pain of life. A fruitful life is a life that is made adequate for the pain of life. Would you look at verse 23? The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved, his arms were made agile. Now, anyone can live a fruitful life when things are going our way, right? I mean, that's not hard. But the real test of fruitfulness is when the pain of life comes crushing down upon us. That is the real test. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if we bear fruit, God will prune us 
so that we bear more fruit. Pruning is very, very painful. To take pruning shears and cut away the things in our life that come from the old Adamic nature, the old flesh, to cut those things away with pruning shears hurts. But if we respond properly, the Bible says we become more fruitful and more useful. You know what we're going to discover as we look at the life of Joseph? He experienced one of the most painful lives of any character in the Bible. And his pain lasted for years. By the way, as we look at this, verse 23, who were the archers who bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely? Who were those archers? Well, his brothers, right? Who threw him into a pit because they were jealous of him. How about the slave traders who came by and very cruelly uh, purchased him, took him down to Egypt against his will and sold him as a slave. They were archers who shot at him. Do you know slander in the Old Testament is a well-attested arrow? And Potiphar's wife slandered Joseph. And then Potiphar threw him into jail without the benefit of a trial. He was an archer. Do you know how long all this pain lasted? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Did you notice how Joseph responded? Look at verse 24. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile. Now I'm not a bow hunter, but I understand this. I understand this. The imagery is of a soldier being shot at by the enemy and arrows are landing all around. And rather than turn tail and run in cowardice, the soldier stands his ground. Two things bow hunters have to have. In fact, many of you here today know that better than I do. They have to have strength and they have to have steadiness. They have to have strength to grab that bow, however many pounds it is, and to be able to pull that string all the way back. And then they have to have steadiness so that they have a clear aim as they let that arrow fly towards the target. And that's exactly what Joseph had. He was strong and steady in the face of bitter attacks and he remained fruitful in spite of the pain that he suffered. Let me ask you, what was his secret? What was his secret? I mean, if you think about it, he should have ended up a bitter and resentful man. 
There's no question after all he went through that at the end of his life he should have been bitter, resentful. Why didn't that happen? Well, Joseph trusted in God's plan. And because he trusted in God's plan, he never lost hope. I think God's plan for us is revealed in these words in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. This is such an important passage. Would you just read these verses together with me? Because this is God's plan. It was His plan not only for Joseph, but for you and for me. Let's read them together. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character, hope. This is what Joseph believed. He believed all the pain that he endured was in God's sovereign plan, and as a result, it strengthened his hope. This is the secret to retaining your hope, no matter how much you are suffering. This is the pruning process that Jesus talked about that every single one of us have to go through. God is using the pain of our life to make us into a better person. And when we understand that, we submit to His will, we ultimately say, okay God, you know better than I do. I'm going to cry uncle in the midst of this pain. I'm going to submit to you and I'm going to say, Lord, what is it that you desire to teach me in the midst of my suffering? And in that resignation to God's will, you mature. And maturity is required to continue trusting and hoping in God. Why does hope come at the end of this process? Because immaturity will never lead us to hope in God. Immaturity will lead us to complain. Immaturity will lead us to want to quit. Immaturity will make us bitter and resentful. It always takes maturity to keep trusting and hoping in God. So this is at the end of the process, not the beginning of the process. And Joseph understood this. So he never lost his hope in God. Let me ask you this morning, can you embrace this? Can you welcome it? Can you say, God is pruning me? There are fruits of the Spirit He wants to create in my life. And I will resign myself to His will. I will learn what He wants me to learn. And on the other end of that process, I will have a deep character and a greater hope in God. Anyone can live a fruitful life when things are going their way. 
But the fruitful person is the person that continues to remain fruitful no matter how difficult the pain becomes. Let's look at the third thing we learn from the life of Joseph. Number three, we learn from Joseph that a fruitful life finds its resources in God. A fruitful life finds its resources in God. Look at verse 24. Yet his bow remained unmoved, his arms were made agile. By the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you. Did you notice here whose hands held Joseph's hands so that he was strong and steady? Did you notice that? His arms were made agile by the hands of the Almighty. It was God's hands that held Joseph's arms so that he remained strong and steady. Some of you are here today and your fathers taught you how to bow hunt. And maybe you were just eight or, or nine years old. And your father bought you this bow and brought it home and gave it to you. And do you remember what that was like? Remember that? You couldn't do it. And then your dad did something that you will never forget. He came around you with his arms, didn't he? And he grabbed that lead arm on the front of the bow and he grabbed that, uh, that behind arm on the string. And with his strong arms, you pulled that bow all the way back for the first time and let that arrow go. That's the picture here. What you could not do as a little boy you could do with your father's strength. And what Joseph could not do in his own strength, he could do in God's strength. As I read these verses here, there are five descriptions of God that are unparalleled anywhere else in Genesis. The five descriptions of God here they are unparalleled in uh, two verses anywhere else in Genesis. Uh, look at the God whom Joseph knew and who enabled him to be strong and steady and fruitful in spite of the pain that he endured for years and years. Look at what he says about him. This is Jacob's blessing. This is the God he knew. And this is the God that Joseph experienced. Look at what Jacob says. He's the mighty one of Jacob. That is referring to his power to save. He calls him a shepherd. An imagery of divine care. When he says he's the stone of Israel, it means he's unchanging and dependable. When he's the God of your father, that means he's not a distant God, way off, who's watching. He's a near God. This is a relationship with somebody who is a personal helper. 
And then he's almighty. He's a sovereign who fulfills his purposes for the life of every child of God. Do you know what we're learning here? The key to Joseph's fruitfulness and steadfastness was his relationship with God. Let me say it again. The key to Joseph's fruitfulness and steadfastness was his relationship with God. Uh, Do you remember what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5? Apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus said in order to be fruitful, we have to abide in Him. We cannot do it ourselves. My old professor Howard Hendricks, who is now with the Lord, used to say, our need is not partial, our need is not total. Our need is total. Dear brother and sister in Christ today, your need is not partial, your need is total. My need before you this morning is not partial, my need is total. And a fruitful and steadfast life can only come about by walking with God and cultivating our relationship with Him. Joseph knew that. Joseph knew that. You see, it takes time and effort to learn to know Jesus. Somebody has said, you can become a Christian in 15 minutes. But to be a Christian takes a whole lifetime, doesn't it? It takes a whole lifetime. It can't be rushed. It takes time and effort to get to know Jesus, to abide in Him, to walk with God and cultivate a relationship with Him so that when the crisis time come in our life, we're able to be steady and continue being fruitful. Notice how Jacob's blessing ends. Verse 26, we learn this, a fruitful life receives blessings that last forever. Look again at verse 25 with me. By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers." Two incredible things about these blessings. If you are somebody who counts uh, key words, I just read here in verses 25 and 26 the word bless or blessings six times. 
Joseph received more blessings than all of his brothers. His life had been more fruitful. Therefore, he would receive more rewards. Let's let that sink in for just a moment in our hearts today. Joseph had been more fruitful, more godly than all of his brothers. Therefore, six times God says, you're going to receive a manifold blessing. You will receive more rewards. And then notice the second thing. These blessings would last for eternity because in verse 26, they're compared to the everlasting hills. In the Old Testament, the mountains were thought to last forever so that by comparing these blessings to the everlasting hills, what he's saying is these blessings will last into eternity. When I was a child, growing up in church, for the very first time, I heard this statement. And once you hear it, You never forget it. Here's what I heard. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Joseph lived that kind of a life. Here it is on the pages of Scripture, right before us. A fruitful life is living the abundant life Jesus promised believers. A fruitful life is a life made adequate for the pain of life. A fruitful life finds its resources in God. And a fruitful life receives blessings that last forever. That's what we're going to learn as we study the life of this great Old Testament patriarch. This morning as we conclude, I want to give you a final quotation from Pastor Chuck Swindoll and then an application out of the quotation. As I was preparing for this message, I came across a website that was discussing this very blessing. And on the website, they had this statement from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. And listen to what he said. Legacy isn't about us. It's about God working through us for His glory, not ours. And think about that. Doesn't that bring us full circle? Jesus said, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and thus you will prove to be my disciples. That's the purpose of life. Why are we here? Why has Jesus saved us? Why are we in this church? Why has Jesus called you to His eternal kingdom? By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, 
And so you will prove to be my disciples. That's God's purpose for you and me. Let's ask Him over this study of the life of Joseph to drill that deep into our hearts as we walk with Him. Let's bow together, shall we, in prayer. Father, thank You for Your calling. Thank You that You sent Jesus to redeem a people out of this world who are zealous, zealous for living for the one who loved them and gave himself for them. And thank you that as we abide in Christ, walking with him, cultivating our relationship with him, letting him prune away all of the sins of the flesh that so easily continue to cling to us. That He is cutting that all away that we might be more and more fruitful to the glory of God. And even in the painful times of our lives, while the Lord is holding our arms and holding our hands, our life can continue to be fruitful for Him. And we thank You today that the same resource that Joseph had in God is the same resource that we have. The same eternal blessings that He knew would last forever are ours as well. And so we desire to do what Jesus said to bring glory to God by bearing much fruit in our character and in our influence. And thus we will show what it really means to be a Christ follower. Thank you today for your great love, your mercy, your purposes for each child of God. In Jesus' name.